ready to explore the extraordinary world of tech. Welcome to the XTech Podcast, where we connect you with the sharpest minds and leading voices in the global tech community. Join us as we cut through the complexity to give you a clear picture of the ideas, innovations, and insight that are shaping our future. Hello, and welcome to the X Tech Podcast by Fox Agency. I'm your host, Debbie Forster, MBE. I'm the CEO at the Tech Talent Charter and an advocate and campaigner for diversity, inclusion, and innovation in the tech industry. I'm delighted to be working with Fox Agency as the host of the X Tech Podcast and as a curator for the X Tech community. Today, I'm very excited. Um, I'm joined today by Natalia Stepanchek. Now, she's the segment manager for immersive and experiential audio applications for a company called Holoplot. Natalia, it's lovely to have you here today. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, um, for the audience and myself, we'd, we'd love to get to know you as a living, breathing human before we dive into the excitement of the tech. Now, some of my guests were born with the laptop in hand. Others have wandered around to find themselves in tech. What about you? How did you find yourself in tech? Yeah, interesting. I think it's always a bit of an interesting story for, for women. And I think, I hope it's a bit better these days. But still, I would say when I was growing up, it was not really uh, a girly thing. Uh, and uh, I kind of had to find my way in. Uh, I studied acoustics. I was the only uh, female student in my year. And I think it's, uh, it's one of these things that uh, continues uh, probably to this uh, day, that there's only one female in that course. Uh, unfortunately, so obviously there's a lot of work to be done. But um, I think for me, um, acoustics, uh, audio technology kind of somehow has always been there at home. My dad was building loudspeakers and guitars. So in a way, I was surrounded by it. So it was inevitable that I would uh, end up in it somehow. And it's lovely to think about as well, because back when your father was doing it, probably, we wouldn't have described it as tech. It's it's the world that has moved into an area mm-hmm. you were born into rather than you moving towards it. Absolutely. And I think uh, I love I love what you just raised. What is tech in the first place? Right. What is technology? So it's really it could be a very broad spectrum of things that we actually consider here under this uh, this term. But um, I would say, yes, of course, it has to be kind of uh, considered um, based on, on the times. Uh, and it's it's a huge area, a huge field. So um, yeah, simple things could be tech, like tools we use in the kitchen could be tech, right? So it's, it's very, very uh, broad, yeah. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting for me is is the idea. And, you know, even since I, the first time you and I spoke, I've been now fascinated and thinking about acoustics and audio and yeah. where tech is in that. <laughs> so, so tell me then first, you know, what is Holoplot? What does it do? And your job title is quite, quite a mouthful. So, mm-hmm. so tell me about the company, how you found it, you know, how you found your way to Holoplot? And then tell me what your job entails. Sure. So Holoplot, I think it's, it's, uh, I like to sort of start with at face value, we are a loudspeaker company, uh, but there is a lot more to it. So uh, the, the technology that we actually have developed and are working with allows you to steer sound and kind of use sound in ways that was not really possible in the past. So um, I, I do like to give the analogy of light. And when you think about 
the beam of light and beams of light, we are kind of used to thinking about, you know, I flash a torch and I illuminate certain area or, or somebody. Uh, in a theater also, you would illuminate a certain actor on, on stage, but not the other. Um, you have a laser pointer, all these things that, you know, with sound, we kind of are talking about the light bulb. We just switch it on. We have some level of control, but really it's, it's just kind of more on and off. I'm simplifying things drastically, but uh, but just to and kind I of for the, for the, that. For, for yeah. those of us in the audience that don't know the ins and outs of it, you're making that really accessible. Thanks. It's 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 just to kind of start to kind of thinking maybe in these terms. So so of course the technology has moved on in terms of the loudspeaker technology that we have available, say, say prior to uh, to Holoplot. Um and there is some level of control, but we take it to a completely another level. So we have a way to really just send some uh, information, a voice recording or, or even a live feed of, of someone on stage to one single person in the audience if they happen to speak a different language. So it's just a completely new uh, way of, of, con of yeah, thinking about sound and, and playing with it, working with it. Um, and I was quite lucky that uh, I actually started with the company about five years ago. I came from a field of acoustic engineering, acoustic consultancy. So I worked in uh, in quite a few companies from very large scale uh, noise uh, pollution uh, projects through building design and and you know making sure that classrooms are quiet uh, and so on to concert hall design. So really like a full spectrum. Uh, and I was also lucky as a student to have worked um, for a loudspeaker company already in Finland. Uh, they're called Genelec. And that was, a, that was such an important experience for me. And I really wanted to go back to that. So Holoplot kind of marries the elements of architectural acoustics, how humans interact with sound, how the loudspeaker interacts with the venue or not, how it doesn't interact with the venue, because that's what's important to us as well. We kind of minimize that interaction, which allows us to really... Uh, be in spaces that are very difficult otherwise. So think very large uh, cathedrals or train stations. These places are horrible to be in and understand what's being said to us. And we can really start working with these things now and make them a lot more pleasant and calm and understandable, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of uh, all these different elements kind of come together at, at this job. I love it. <laughs> I yeah. can tell. And really, I think the more we unpack and think about what you do, you're dealing with the whole spectrum of sound. You have sound as noise, something to be cut mm -hmm. through, to be worked around, but then also the beauty of sound and how to take it places. So amazing Absolutely. tech. Uh, in, in the time that you've been there, what were some of the big barriers you had to overcome? And, and how did you do that? Uh, it's very difficult to break into a market as a as a speaker manufacturer. I think a lot of other manufacturers have been around for many many years. Um, we are a new new company. A lot of young people, a lot of people who are not traditionally coming from the audio uh, technology uh, field, which I actually find very interesting. It was has always been our strength. We had people joining from very various fields, and they could apply the best of themselves to help us uh, propel us for forwards. And I, but I think what you say, I hear again and again, great tech comes from great people. And, and yes, sometimes that is about finding somebody who has that very specific tech skill set. But equally, you know, and, and yes, it's absolutely true. It's the lifeblood of a startup. But I think more and more in tech, we're realizing as much as we need some deep tech skill, we need problem solvers. 
This is not just what you know. We are looking for people who can take what they know in different areas, can learn different ways. And I, I think more and more as leaders in tech, people have to be at the heart of what we do. And I'm hearing this again from every sector within tech. What breaks them, what propels them to the next level is about finding the right people. And then, as you hear, I'm hearing in your voice, Natalia, it's inspiring them. It's freeing them up and, and letting them do, as you say, bending physics in, in completely different ways. Absolutely. Sometimes it's it's uh, it's also hard for those people because, uh, of course, uh, you you join a new company and you're being presented, or actually not even being presented, you're being thrown into some thing and you have to kind of figure out what the problem is in the first place so it's it's really uh really a huge shout out to almost every single person here in holoplot for for actually having exactly that start and and i'm hearing more and more tech companies starting to look at hiring for those qualities and potential rather than the skill so mm -hmm. stamina problem solving ability to find solutions on their own is is really powerful now there's I love talking to all of my my guests about the different ways, but there's very seldom that I get to go rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things we get to talk about when we talk about what Holoplot does is some rock and roll. So can you talk to me? Some of the audience may or may not have heard of The Sphere in Las Vegas. If you haven't, start Googling now. There's some great visuals as well as sound. Mm -hmm. But Natalia, talk to me about what you did in with working with you two in Las Vegas for The Sphere, because the outcome, I was really impressed. I remember hearing about it, another thing in Las Vegas. But once they started coming out, the critics, the critics who would have gone in mm -hmm. to be very, very skeptical about this is just a big mm -hmm. hot mess, are mm -hmm. ecstatic about what you were able to achieve there. Tell me about it. Yeah, I I hear you ask me the question. I'm actually getting excited myself. It's a it's really just another level of a of a project. It's a, from from acoustic perspective. It, it, first of all, it's a spherical building as per the name, and this would be normally the worst nightmare of any acoustician. If you hear, I want sound. I want amplified sound in a uh, in a spherical uh, dome. Um, we would just shake our heads and say, please go somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to work on this, uh, quite frankly. So, so that, that alone already is, is, that's a kind of a first, let's say, uh, challenge, huge challenge to kind of think about. Uh, then to think that this will accommodate 20,000, close to 20,000 people. That's sort of another level. There are things, you know, more technical details, such as uh, the humidity in Las Vegas and the humidity in the building, which actually affects this propagation of sound drastically. Something that no one really wants to think about, you know, as it, you'd never think about this, but it really affects it significantly. So there were a lot of, again, physics uh, here against us. Um, one super important thing is all the loudspeakers are hidden behind the LED screen. So as an audience member, you will actually not see a single speaker, but sound will be coming from all around you. So having all these elements and, and having you two open the sphere uh, was just a, a, an incredible feeling for us because we knew that they were the perfect people for it. And they were the, the perfect um, testament that, you know, that what we've worked on for so long and, and so hard uh, works and uh, and can really elevate that experience of of going to a to a rock concert. Um, yeah, the sensation is incredible to to really hear Bono's voice as if he's really just singing to you, 
Meanwhile, you're surrounded by, by 20,000 people. That's just a, a remarkable um, you know, achievement from all sorts of other uh, trades as well there. But uh, we are super happy with the result, of course. And uh, yeah. And what was the toughest bit of that? Because I, I mean, I think if, if people haven't looked, have a look online. So as you said, it's, it's a nightmare venue because it's spherical. It's 20,000 people I hadn't thought about, and it's in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. But then it's it's filled with screens. And so your sound behind the screens to create that virtu virtual reality mm -hmm. sense of things in the 360. What, what kept you up the most in, in trying to prepare for that? I think all the elements really put together. And it's one of these things that you cannot really test it ahead of time. So the building was being built. We were developing our tech when I started, we didn't have a product, quite frankly. We were working on the development. We had the alpha version, uh, which we actually just recently shared a very interesting image on our social media uh, of the, what that alpha version looked like. It was just a wooden box with a lot of cables sticking out of it. So, so just, you know, just to know how far this whole project has come, both in terms of the building development and, and uh, our speaker development is, is really, I get uh, almost emotional thinking about how where we were then and, and what we've achieved with it uh, now. But indeed, you're, you're right. It's, it's a full, um, in terms of the visuals, the visuals are really um, covering a peripheral vision. So you can have a full sense of immersion. Um, and sound also is located really, the, the loudspeakers are located pretty much around you. So all around behind this, the screen. So there is a uh, there's a main sound obviously coming from above you, from in front of you, but there are 28 arrays located around the uh, the LED screen, around the sphere, allowing for pretty much localization to any point. So anywhere you can point with your hand on the screen, there could be sound coming from there. So um, on that scale, it's just a it's just a completely uh, it's a groundbreaking project. Absolutely, yeah. And in ultimately, a project that only could be done with tech, this would have been impossible in the Absolutely. old world of speakers and acoustics. And Absolutely. I, in listening to, you know, first of all, the artists involved for you too, they were ecstatic. You know, they it's exactly what they wanted. And I think what was powerful is to think about for people who were there, stadium size, you know, this is a huge crowd, but it did mm -hmm. have that intimacy of a, of a tiny venue. So... Fantastic. And, you know, we'd love to see and I hear that there's, you know, they're starting to think about different directions with filmmaking and, and all of that. So but I don't think people had realized you were doing a start a startups perfect dream and perfect nightmare because this is not a place you easily pivot. You can't easily pivot and hack a solution in front of 20,000 people. And to be the first in that venue to do it, you you had no one's mistakes to learn from. So, okay, I can see what you said about stamina and problem solving, but it's not just rock and roll. I mean, the other thing that's really powerful is the way in which you're looking at taking the product into areas that could make, for example, so a nobody not rock and roll person like me feel the benefit. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about some of the other use cases you're looking at. Yeah, the product is very versatile in a sense that you you um, you can shape how you want the sound to essentially exist in the space. So the reason it works in Sphere is uh, so again it would be normally a nightmare of a you know a lot of reflections and so on. If we had a normal, let's say, light bulb, uh, I'm going back to my analogy here, emanating the energy in all directions, it would just come back to the center and it would just, the reflections would be 
uh, would be causing quite a quite a bit of acoustic mess. Let's just call it like that. Not a technical term, by the way. Um, and with what we do, we can actually beam, we can design where the sound will be placed. So we can actually very, very precisely say, I want this part of the audience to hear the guitar and I want this part of the audience right now to hear the vocalist, for example. But most importantly, all this sound will always be um, focused on the audience only. So we're not sending any unnecessary acoustic energy into the rest of the venue. And that's what allows for this um, for this actually to work in the first place, right? So the same technology, the, the control over sound that we have, we can apply in, in so many different applications. So um, you actually, I like what you said in the very beginning. It's kind of, there's a lot of fun stuff, but there's a lot of very functional stuff. So I very much uh, agree with that. And I very often talk about Holopod as solving the very functional problems, but also opening a very new uh, set of fun tools that we can now uh, uh, just bring to the audience. So from the functional stuff, when you think about, um, again, bringing back to the idea of a cathedral, let's say, you want to have an amplified voice within a cathedral. Normally, this is causing um, quite a lot of reflections. It's very difficult to understand uh, what is being said. Instead of send, so what we do instead of sending the signal in the whole building at the same time, we again just target the, the areas where people are actually present. And the sound, it's kind of when you think about it that way, it's very efficient, right? So we. We're not losing energy in all the directions. We're very very intelligently sending it where it's needed. That means it's very efficient, which means that over a long distance, it doesn't drop level. Um, so everyone, whether you're standing at the very front or at the very back, you're hearing the same, um, yeah, the same level, the same content, which is very important. And that means we really includes everybody within uh, the audience. The fact that we have so much control, it also, again, allows us to um in, actually yeah the word include is really the best word here because we share the sound kind of equitably right if if there is a part of the audience that is maybe under the balcony uh typically these areas are very difficult to deliver sound to appropriately but we can target them with a separate audio beam so i'm talking about the audio beams again this is how, how we actually call it uh, uh within holoplot Think of this as, a, as if it was a light beam. It's a similar thing. I want to illuminate a certain area and I can be very precise with how I do it. How I do it. And you mentioned earlier, because this could be in an education environment or, or a business meeting, even mm -hmm. you know, large scale conferences, this might not be a guitar and a vocal. This could be different languages. So Absolutely. this is no more walking around with the funny little earphones trying to hear the simultaneous <laughs> translation. Mm -hmm. But I, another application you mentioned before that, that, that I'm fascinated because I've been having to catch a lot of trains lately mm -hmm. is thinking about things like transport, train stations. You know, I've been on those platforms where everyone's looking blankly at each other trying to figure out what that loud noise was because it means whether you're on the right platform Absolutely. but you could change that yeah it's really uh it's it's actually really hard to describe how much improvement you would get by using a technology like ours uh, as opposed to the kind of more traditional technology so it really gives you not only the, the real full um, intelligibility of sound it also really sounds like it's very close to you so it really feels a lot more, well, I don't want to say natural because you don't experience that in nature that way, but it feels more natural in a sense that it sounds more like there is a person standing in front of you 
talking at at a normal speaking level rather than uh, you know having to really project the sound a, a lot louder and and it being uh, reverberating the whole space and so on. So this is extremely extremely useful uh, in in these applications for sure. Yeah. But if if we are thinking about applications like train stations or airports or or big conferences is cost a barrier we don't all have the same sort of money that las vegas and you too have to pour into these sound systems is sound a barrier for using holoplot in that way there are it's definitely a premium product so that has to be said the the x1 product which we have right now on the market however First of all, we're working on a uh, on the X2 uh, system, which is a lot more accessible from that perspective. Um, however, what I would like to maybe mention as well is all the things that uh, that maybe affect the, uh, the the total cost of your installation. So you would have to think about um, the acoustic absorptions that you absorption that you need to add to your space normally. Um, you'd have to think about all the different installation points. So instead of one single speaker array, you may not need, you know, five or six or so just to kind of make sure that the sound is, keeps being intelligible across the platform, for example. So it's, 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 there are a few kind of factors that affect it. Um, and I would say that, that all overall, it's, it's not just the, the cost of the, the hardware itself, right? That, that affects actually the, the end result. Um, so, so yeah, there are many considerations there to, to take into account. So this is also about learning how to educate your, your customer, isn't it? Because this is a totally different way. And I think quite often that is a challenge we have in tech is changing mindsets about how to deploy different kinds of technology um, to really make use of it as, as a technology. Absolutely. And I think we at Holoplot are quite familiar with uh, each of us has joined the company at some point and each of us has been skeptical before joining uh, until you really hear it. It's it's very uh, much a case of having to, I, I think it's fair to say, having to unlearn certain things that you knew about sound. Uh, I've been through that process myself where I was very, very skeptical uh, to the first person who, who introduced me to, uh, to Holoplot saying that I've worked in acoustics so many years, there's no way this works and so on. Uh, so, so it was quite quite funny actually. Uh, it was uh, my friend actually, Michael Hladki, who's the product develop, uh, product uh, owner for, for X1, for the product, which is in the sphere. Uh, and I just remember his face when he saw me hear the system for the first time. He was just laughing very loud like he always does. So uh, so it's, it's definitely the process of... of Kind of le sometimes letting go of what you've learned all your life and uh, yeah, rethinking it. It's a fascinating moment because it's you know like children when they first learn something. That joy of learning is I think we all feel it, right? We all experience it. So so um, our demos are full of that. When, when whenever we run a demo, there's always uh, there's always kind of uh, people getting excited and 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 clapping their hands even because it's just a very uh, unusual. Uh, a thing to hear so but it is again that's finding the right people because i think that is also what we are looking for in great tech teams is that flexibility of thought mm -hmm. that ability and willingness to unlearn as much as we are to learn to let go of certainty mm -hmm. to move in a different direction because if we if our tech team can't then we certainly can't get our customers and we we kill our products 
you know, in, at the, at the earliest stages. So this is about learning to decouple things in our mm-hmm. own minds and to unlearn mm-hmm. and to bring that flexibility to, to what we do at work, which I think, again, makes a great yeah. tech team. And then if you can, then great tech at its earliest stages always feels like magic, doesn't it? And yeah, so you absolutely. need that idealist. They, we need people who are willing to mm-hmm. let go, be scared, and then get yeah. excited. And it's absolutely that, absolutely that. Uh, I think it's also the case of of really how to design these uh, these products, um, how to design the tech, the interaction with the tech that we uh, we have on a daily basis everywhere. How to make sure that it's um, that it's not scary for too long, right? Because it will be scary. I think inevitably it will always, if there's something completely new, it is always a little bit scary. People don't like change typically. Um, but how to make sure that that process of, of uh, from the moment you learn about it, you have to interact the first time to the moment of saying, ah, okay, I got it. That That's has it. to be really minimized, right? This time has to be minimized. And this is really all about the design of your, um, yeah, of your, uh, of your product in terms of both software and hardware it has to be accessible it has to be easy um, otherwise it just takes too much uh, time to learn agreed so I do love what you were saying insofar as that you know the, the key part of the design process is not just the the breakthrough moment the magic moment is then designing it so the magic becomes mundane it becomes mm-hmm. functional and then mm-hmm. we teach people how to work with that functionality i think it's a super way and i think too often we don't complete that design process in tech and we have mm-hmm. to always think about that how can we make it almost boring make it mm-hmm. ubiquitous to go through in that respect okay so natalia let's then take a step back as as somebody who gets to to think about tech in your day-to-day but more broadly so anything in tech i'm throwing up in the horizon now you can look at anyone and anything that's happening is there anything in tech that really frustrates you or worries you at the moment i think i would have to tie it back to actually the last thing we discussed which is which is the ease of use really um I am 37 and I find that for me, there are certain things in tech these days that are just not as straightforward to use as they should be. And I always think of, uh, you know, my parents, my grandparents, um, it must be a scary world when you, when you're, you know, you, you need to be tech literate, literate to, to function. So I think if, if there's anything frustrating is probably this, it feels kind of a little bit unjust that we don't include everyone, right? Uh, so I think probably this, in terms of, um, I have to also tie it back now to, to um, and you probably hear this a lot, but AI, you know, this is a very uh, scary and exciting, it's as scary as it is exciting. So thinking about where this can actually take us and how it could actually uh, make all these processes smoother for people to learn how to use tech and so on. Mm. So I'm kind of like, I'm very, I am looking into the future of AI and I really am, I'm actually personally very, very hopeful that it will uh, enable a lot of uh, just ease of use, I think, from that perspective. So this is definitely something I'm kind of uh, thinking about. At the back of my mind, I was still very scared as well, but but yeah, (laughs) just... uh, But I think think beyond even AI, I, I like that you're raising that broader issue and it's one that I think we have to remember in tech is... 
think beyond the enthusiasts, think beyond the early adopters. And in fact, as, as there's more and more breakthroughs, as the, the cutting edge is so far ahead, are we really thinking about who's being left behind, who's being mm-hmm. left out? And tech has the potential to be the great equalizer, the great inclusion tool, but only if we build it in. And there are so many dimensions. You mentioned age, but there's disability, there's social mobility. I think for us to not create a dystopia, for science, for, you know, for mm-hmm. us to create a future that isn't one of those scary sci-fi novels, it is vitally important that we're always thinking in tech is who's getting left behind because there's Absolutely. always a cost if someone is left behind and then we will all pay it if we don't think about it and build it in from the very start. Couldn't, couldn't agree yeah, more. And, I and, agree. It, and it's a mantra mm-hmm. I would throw down to everyone. Yeah. And it's, it's also, um, uh, just as, you, as you're speaking about this, I, I'm having the thought of, you know, the tech is usually kind of designed. It's not very kind of, uh, how to say, equitable in a sense that it's not designed differently for different people, right? Or different, I mean, sometimes for different ages maybe, but actually for the most part, it's um, it's pretty kind of a blanket, this is what it is. So so being able to actually work with something, and I'm kind of bringing it back to Holoplot, being, being able to work with something that can be so individual, you know, every person out of your, if you have a conference, as you kind of mentioned, right? Uh, every person could have their own uh, native language translation uh, mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Uh, uh, some people could, some people's level could be, you know, there could be an audience area where the level is just simply a little bit uh, uh, higher, just to make sure that um, people with hearing difficulties can hear a bit better. So it's just, it's just these little things which we can do um, that. Yeah, that should they are for us, and they should be, I believe, so easy to implement, and we shouldn't have to go to, to lengths to, to accommodate everybody. Okay, so and then is there anything on the horizon for tech that really has you excited, has you 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 buzzing with what what could be next? I mean, I think really I have to have been right now just super super into the whole topic of AI. I think for the first time in my life, I read a magazine from from literally from front cover to the back cover. And that was the, the uh, Time magazine, um, yeah, about AI. Uh, just, I just, it's as fascinating as life itself because it's as broad as life itself. It can be scary and terrifying and, and it can, it has the potential to really do damage. At the same time, it has all the potential to do all the good uh, things. So. I'm super fascinated. At, th- at, at this point, it's very hard for me to kind of step away from that topic and really talk about anything else. Uh, so that's the latest one for me uh, in tech. I think also on a personal kind of level, I've been reading a lot about uh, recently about a well, completely different topic about loneliness, actually, and how uh, I've been thinking about that in context of, of technology. And um, I really hope and and this would be definitely something very important for me that again this inclusion element uh, the fact that everyone is is seen and everyone is accounted for and no one's as you said no one's left behind um yeah i really i really believe that this is something super super important that we should all kind of pay attention to because it's very easy i can see a world where we easily lose kind of leave people behind where we really don't intend to just because the tech 
you know, took us a, a specific direction. So, so yeah, these are probably the, the kind of key topics for me re- just recently. And it, yeah. And I, and it's really interesting because I've similarly been seeing some things on research on, you know, the 21st century epidemic of loneliness that, perhaps COVID did accelerate, but has been growing in that respect. And and as you say, tech can cut through that and can connect people, or it can cre- increase that sense of isolation. So something really to think about there. Then I just always close with asking a question from, from the guests. Is there anything, you've already mentioned the, the time issue that was, was focusing on AI. Is there anything else that you're reading or listening to or watching that you'd recommend to the audience that, that has inspired you in some way? Uh, actually, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, apart from, from the, the two things I mentioned, I think... Um, Main focus for me recently is, is actually focusing a little bit on on uh, local artists and local gatherings and something that's a little bit more. Maybe it's after returning from uh, from Las Vegas, but you know, on just a smaller scale uh, events, something that's a bit more intimate, something that gives voice to someone who didn't have to travel half the way around the world to mm. to perform for you. Uh, so just yeah, maybe just a little. Uh, for me for sure inspiration of just just getting out there and finding some small uh, local events concerts i'm kind of obviously i have in mind musical uh, things but there is obviously so many things happening everywhere and just giving the voice to the people who are already right next to you so yeah that would be my, my and i love how many people i have on the show that we are tech but sometimes the most inspiring things is to unplug to turn off mm-hmm. everything and really engage with the hyper-local, with what's around us to find the real Absolutely. inspiration, etc. So, fantastic. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much, Natalia, for joining me on this episode. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And like I say, I never get to talk rock and roll. So thank you for <laughs> giving me a chance to be able to talk thank rock you. and roll. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Debbie, of course, as always. And yeah. Rock and roll, and I'm sure you'll find most more people will work on something related <laughs> to it than, than we, we kind of see at face value first. So, yeah. You're giving the wider team a challenge. I'm going to throw down where's my next rock and roll? Super. Love it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you're a tech innovator and would like to appear as a guest on the show, email us now at xtech at fox.agency. And finally, Thank you to the team of experts at Fox Agency who make this podcast happen. I'm Debbie Forster, and you've been listening to the X-Tech Podcast. Keep exploring the world of tech. Subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode. To discover more opportunities for global B2B tech brands, visit fox.agency today.